Welcome to ADHD is over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is over. Welcome back. Here we are again with a new episode called Parents Are the Experts. And I'm here with my wife, Tatiana. Hello. Hello. I'm excited about this one because um, we obviously get that a lot. People asking, so you do research, but who are the experts? And why are you an expert? And how do you know? And what's true? And so forth, right? Right. And, and we're in a, I think we're in a period of time that it's now all about experts and whoever is the biggest expert is the most expert. Wow. <laughs> so it's like a expert over expert, but yeah, this is a expert showdown. <laughs> well, it's interesting because of what's going on in the world currently with, um, the U S elections and COVID. And, you know, there certainly is a lot of quote unquote fake news. There's a lot of conspiracies. There's a lot of, uh, people saying this is true. This is not true. So, I went ahead and I looked up the definitions of expert. So it says an expert is a person who has a comprehensive and authoritative knowledge of or skill in a particular area. So then I wanted to know what does authoritative mean, right? So a person who has a comprehensive, meaning there's a lot, mm -hmm. you really sort of see the whole of it, right? Mm -hmm. And authoritative knowledge of or skill in a particular area. So authoritative means able to be trusted as being accurate or true, reliable, right? Mm -hmm. But it also means commanding and self-confident, likely to be respected and obeyed, right? So let's go with the, able, the ability to be trusted as being accurate, true, you know, reliable. That's obviously why we see all these fact checkers out there. Facebook, all these companies, all these websites now have fact checkers because they obviously want to show that this information is true. It can be trusted. It's accurate. Therefore, it's reliable. So that said, let's go back to our definition. We said parents are experts. So our parents, people or persons who have a comprehensive knowledge in a particular area, AKA raising their children? I would say yes. Well, I would say that was like the one word that really stood up for me, comprehensive, right? You can have experts on children in general. You can have experts on a very specific, narrow, you know, form of, of, Parenting um, or something. right. Form of topic. But, um, but to have a very comprehensive expertise when you're talking about one particular child, like who else but a parent? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if we look at the word authoritative, remember we said to be trusted, accurate, true, reliable. Let's look at this. So technically you and I are, have been experts in what, what we call Kai, our son, who's the one who uh, we diagnosed and who was at the time told that he or told us, the expert told, experts told us that he had what we know as ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. 
So we've known Kai for 11 years because he's 11, right? He was born in 09. It's 2020. So you could say for 11 years daily, we've gotten training or study in Kai. I think that makes us experts. Not in all children. Right. Not in perhaps medical analysis of a child or, you know, psychological, uh, you know, evaluation of every part of Kai. Although I will say that as the parents of Kai, we've seen him and we probably actually can judge him better and more accurately than someone who's seen him for 10 hours, 12 hours right. a year. And I think it's also how we define expertise on what. Obviously, it's not like we've done deep dive studies on his eyesight on optometry on like specific like his motor skills etc but like obviously not but yeah but it's like what are we saying by saying you as a parent can own the title of an expert on your own child i think it comes to the it's a it's to a different level of of being connect of connection like how are you what feels right when it comes to your child, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. I don't want to say the word intuition, but in a, in a way, a bit of like, what just, I think our, our senses, if we allow them to be, are a bit more refined when you can tap into and say, this just does not feel right for my child, or this yeah. feels right, right? Like, because when you, a, a parent, I think, has the right to go there and, uh, because they are the ones who have been living with this child for that many years and can truly embody comprehensive knowledge where you're not just accounting, oh, his eyesight, oh, his mobility, or his dexterity, or his attention, right? But like, you are just, you've witnessed it all, like the whole, the right. wholeness of this child. And there's so many facets to any children and all children and all of us as humans, right? And only a dedicated parent can like, tap into that and and feel like if things resonate or don't resonate right. right and that's a different level of expertise i think you bring up a good point i think that when you first have a child i mean we had our first son in 09 and then you you know have a child for a year two years it's a little it's a little very, we were baby very boy and we were very clumsy parents not clumsy well, very, we were baby baby parents we yeah, were we just were like baby we're parent toddlers toddler parents that's <laughs> there yeah we were parent toddlers right? or toddler, toddlering <laughs> parents we were not that expert at all but it's interesting because um, you know when Kai was two or three um, you know it's a it's a little kid and when you hear expert opinions like a doctor or a psychologist or you know pediatrician or whatnot. You just you just trust. You just kind of go, well, I'm new at this. This is our first child. He's like little. He's two, and the doctor says, do this, do that, do this. You just do it. Same with vaccinations. I mean, I would say we at least questioned the vaccination schedule, and we thought let's vaccinate more uh, uh, conservatively, and we spaced them out. Right at the time, that was still possible. But my point here is that I remember taking him in to a uh, checkup after he had a, a cold, what seemed to be sort of a, almost a bit of a lung cough kind of cold and pneumonia type. Or I just remember going to the pediatrician, and they were in Glendale, and um, 
and the, the doctor, I don't, I don't think you were there when the doctor came back and said, um, Kai has asthma. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what? He was, I think, three, mm-hmm. something like that, maybe three right. and a half. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, well, that sucks. First thought, right? It's like, oh, shit, really? Asthma, isn't that the thing where they have to do inhalers and now they can't run? And Because I wanted him to be a soccer player, right? I'm a soccer player. I grew up in Europe. I was like, oh, that's not good. And I, rem- I remember telling you, and we were both like, oh, that sucks. And I think I came home with inhalers or they had me pick them up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like we blindly trusted the pediatrician because we're new parents and we have a little boy and he's, he was sick. And so they said he should take these inhalers and he has asthma. And so I remember we went to Ecuador to visit your family mm-hmm. and we, he continued. This might have been like two weeks in or something. And he was just bouncing off the walls. Everybody was like, remember? Yeah. So, and we noticed it wasn't just his hyperactivity, but he was, he seemed angry. He seemed very... He was, he had a, he, he had an irritation about it and, uh, that we hadn't seen before. Right. And it came all of a sudden. It was just like, I think it was your mom that was like, what's wrong with him? And maybe it it was clearly something out of the ordinary. It wasn't just like, oh, he has a lot of energy. He's always had a lot of energy. And it was very sudden too, the onset. Very sudden. It was literally like he was bouncing off the walls. And we, I remember that night, I think we finally put him down and I, I was on my cell phone and I remember thinking, because, you know, when, when we're in Ecuador, I always have to watch my cell phone plan. And I thought, well, I'm just going to activate it and research. This is important. I remember going in. It took like five minutes till I could get online. Finally, I'm online and I looked up all the ingredients of those inhalers and I just started reading the side effects. And, and it was right there. It was like irritated, you know, uh, um, hyperactive, angry. It was like, the, the things were right there. And I was like, well, that's actually what's happening to him right now. And I did some more research and there was just a lot of people that were like, this is really not great for, for, for children. This is really, um, you know, almost like their adult chemicals were giving these children. Right. And I remember we talked about it. We said, let's, let's stop. Right. And that, w- that was a big turning point for me, turning away from this blind trust to authority, right? Because authoritative is in the word expert. Like if they're authoritative and you would, I mean, this, I know this, people listening, you have to get this. It's a very nuanced thing. Yes, there's a lot of doctors who are authoritative and who have the degree and who, who are experts. At the same time, some of the uh, uh, procedures or some of the, the medications or the approaches that are given to them are dictated to them by a system. And so they, you know, wanting to keep their job and believing in what they're told and what they learned in medical school, they move forward and continue that. So, so was our doctor doing something evil by telling Kai he has asthma and giving, giving us those inhalers? No. They thought literally this child has this thing called asthma and we need to help them and parents need to do this, right? So I remember that was a turning point where I thought, hmm, I don't, I think this is bullshit. This was my first time where I was like, I think this is, this is bullshit. And we stopped. Mm-hmm. And Kai's now 11. This is seven years later. Um, he doesn't have asthma. Yeah. He can run around. It's he, never come up or it's never been never. picked up again. And his, his uh, energy dropped and his persona, like his anger or his... 
irritation. Your irritation or, just went away. <laughs> yeah, instantly. It was like the, the next day, right? Yeah. He was fine. But I think you're right. I think that was the beginning of us questioning, questioning it yeah. and, and being okay and, and being a bit more sovereign about it and being like, yes, the, the expert doctors say that, but, but as a parent, like it's okay to honor a feeling or a hunch or a sense that it does, it just doesn't feel right. Like it's okay to honor that. Right. And even more so it's totally okay to self-declare yourself as the expert of your child. And yeah. I know that that could become, that could bring up a lot of things for people as in like, who are we to declare ourselves as experts? We don't have those titles or degrees. Right. But I think there is a, there is a level of, of, um, of confidence as parents that all of us can, can embrace if we're truly going to become the best advocates yeah. for our children. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because we're obviously not going to start a asthma is not real movement. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, asthma is over. You know, but, but there is, there, there have been other people I've talked to where, the, you know, a disorder in the lungs or some kind of disorder that has to do with, with lung issues um, is, usually, is usually not a, a disorder. It comes from other psychological factors. And I feel like whatever Kai was going through at the time, I believe he had switched preschools at the time or, you know, who knows what he was dealing with that might have uh, added to, to his, uh, the cold he had. And, you know, the symptoms got worse and then they're like, oh, it's asthma. But it's clear now that he did not have, well, I can't say he did not. It's clear that he does not have a medical disorder called asthma today. So um, back then, I, I just felt it was uh, not true right. what, what we were told and of course this is not in any way yeah, promoting to just what go against to, to whatever your your doctor says not in any way the point here is it's such a powerful thing to tap into as a parent to tap into what feels right and what resonates because sometimes we do things we do medicate even though we know it doesn't feel right right and to yeah. not to not ignore that, like not, not put that down because the expert has, the expert has spoken and it, and that expert has a lot of titles, which yep. they may be absolutely right and spot on as much as, you know, if you're getting a, a feeling or a sense that there's something off, you may be right. Exactly. I mean, this, this is again, reiterating what you said, this isn't about saying every medical uh, profession professional is corrupt or doesn't know and we know better no when it comes to medical procedures and medical diagnoses most doctors you know i'll say it lovingly most doctors know what they're talking about there's some that are perhaps blinded by who knows what but yes most of them know what they're talking about but what we're talking about is the the ability to trust ourselves as parents the ability to honor the gut feeling the intuition that says I just don't think that's it, right? Like usually those things is what we call, you and I refer to them as check engine lights, right? If your son has any issues with the lungs, you know, maybe it's worth looking into. What, is, what, are, what are lung issues? You know, look at Eastern medicine, look at Western, look, you look at philosophical explanations, look at YouTube videos, read a book, right? I feel like 
When we just go to the pediatrician and the pediatrician says it's asthma and here's an inhaler, that's only one possible approach. That's the Western medicine, thank you to the Rockefellers. We have now Western medicine supposedly as the medicine and everything else is alternative, but that's just not true. There's so many approaches. So what we're saying, and it's the same with this movement, is listen, inform, you know, keep asking questions, trust your intuition, find what works for you. Because at that time, that did not work for us. Kai being that way was unhealthy. It was irritating to the entire family. Not that that's a main reason to stop medication, but for us, it was just like, there's something off. And that was too much. Yeah. And it was a good example for us of had we just ignore that that sense that something's off and just continue providing that uh, medication, he would probably still have asthma to this day. Yeah. And we still be providing, you know, giving him those inhalers and God knows where he'd be at. And I'm going to just totally spitball for a minute. But if we had not questioned that, he would still have asthma. He would be on inhalers. I think that would have probably led us to also not question the ADHD diagnosis and the other dyslexia, uh, autism, uh, tick, uh, you know, you name it, there's six of them. We probably would have just been layering medications on top of each other, which lots of parents do and lots of kids have, have that in their lives, right? Again, not judging right or wrong, but just saying that that's one avenue we could have gone down, which, which is the Disorder medication, disorder medication, disorder medication. Yeah. And I think also what's important to note and highlight here and the point of what we're trying to share is the importance of this. um, It's like a paradigm shift where you do as a parent have the confidence to say, I am the expert on my own child. And that statement alone gives you the access to truly be the best advocate for your child. And that's... I agree. And there's no one better than you. Yeah. Because no one, going back to the definition of expert expertise, no one can have as comprehensible sense of your child in all its, in, in, in its, in, in all the myriads of, of expression that your child has. Yep. Only you can, can get that. No doctor can, can ever, uh, fully, fully grasp other than just observing, uh, a group of symptoms and, uh, that have been yeah. by agreement of a medical body of, Doctors have come to an agreement that these <laughs> these symptoms tend to be this. Right. Um, and it's interesting. I just did a quick search, right? And, and you and I are, are used to now researching stuff. But for the parents out there, do your research, right? I mean, I just Googled, uh, what did I put? Can asthma disappear? And it says asthma can go away, although this happens more often when asthma starts in childhood than when it starts in adulthood. And this is on the harvard.edu website. Next sentence. When asthma goes away, sometimes that's because it wasn't there in the first place, says Harvard. (laughs) Now, think about that. You go to the doctor as a new parent, and they say, your son has asthma. You should take inhalers. You don't ever question that. You don't go online and go, well, it could go away because sometimes it's not there. Well, no, they just told me it's there, so we got to take it, right? So I think what we're saying really is ask your medical professional. We're not medical professionals, you know, that's clear. We, we have a disclaimer. We're, we're not experts. We're not doctors in medical disorders. I think we become experts at Kai, our son. Uh, we'll go more into that in a minute. But uh, question your doctor and just say, look, I, I, 
I'm going to do some research and let me know now, is there a possibility this can be outgrown? Are there um, cases where this went away? Are there cases where medication got discontinued? Give me all the information. Don't just tell me my child's sick and here's the medication. I want to know the odds, right? And then go research and then you find out. Uh, it says here further on Harvard says in about half of asthmatic children, the asthma goes away on its own. Mm-hmm. But do, does the pediatrician mention that or do they just, I don't know. Right. And then how this relates to ADHD. Yeah. I mean, that was our first, I would say that was my first moment questioning authority. And I say that, let me explain that because it could sound like, oh, you're questioning authority, right? But really all it is, is you asking someone who says they're an authority in the field, you're asking them a question. That's what questioning an authority means, right? And I remember going back to the pediatrician for a follow-up with Kai. You were at work. I went there and the assistant comes in and you know how they have their clipboard and they ask their question. So how's he been doing good? Has he been sleeping okay? Is he eating? How's his, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, how's his asthma? And I said, well, he doesn't have asthma anymore. She's like, what? And she's like, no, he has asthma. How did you, how are the inhalers? I said, we stopped giving him the inhalers. And she just could not believe what I said. And I get it, right? We sort of cold turkeyed it, which probably is not the best idea to do that in general with medications. But we knew he was only on it for a few weeks. And, but the point is that she then clearly said, well, no, he, he has asthma. And I remember we discontinued that pediatrician uh, a little while after because they just weren't open to even discuss it. And I understand that they have their laws and their rules. But for me, that wasn't a relationship I wanted to keep fostering with someone who saw it black and white. And I think we have to question, especially nowadays, in this climate, we have to question everyone that we're not 100% sure intuitively that they're, they're there for the good of our family or of our health or our children. We have to question it. And I don't want to write this into the ground, but even now with the COVID and politics and all that stuff, we have to start asking the right question and seeing how does that affect our family? And do the people saying they have our interest in mind actually have our interest in mind? That was a nice rant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And as Ron mentioned, this was, I think, the beginning of us. So that was asthma beginning, right? That was the first turning point. The first turning point of us going like, hey, there's, there's, we we should always look a little further than what we are being told. And I think that's what, when then Kai was diagnosed, now I'm, I'm connecting that dot as well. Now that we're retelling the story, yeah, I guess we did have a bit of a precedence of also looking to ask more questions around it. Right? Yeah, I mean, for us, ADHD was 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 next, right? So, if for those of you listening, if you haven't heard any of the other episodes, and this is the one you're listening to, in a nutshell, our own son Kai, um, at seven years old, got diagnosed with ADHD. We wanted him diagnosed because we wanted to know what they call it it being hyperactive, impulsive, inattentive. And sure enough, um, they said, yep, he has ADHD. And that started our five-year research journey. So here we are. And it was the same thing again. I was sitting there going like, I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. Like, in, there was well, like the, six disorders on, on, on the report. on the uh, And the recommendation, testing. of course, was to go to medication. 
Yeah, the recommendation was do some therapy, occupational therapy, um, you know, do some supplements and get some uh, um, tutors and, and most effectively, effectively would be medication, right? So, But I think what triggered in this particular case the wanting to go further was how it was first introduced to us, which was our, our son's school where um, the teacher and principal both presented it to us as in this is he's pretty much kind of screwed for the rest of his life and if he's not medicated he will likely either self-medicate or end up in jail yeah so it was a very it was a daunting prediction very daunting <laughs> prediction and to to make on a seven-year-old boy i will say it was a doomsday oh my god completely prophecy. and that was one of like wow this is the principle of our school like a, a lifelong educator and a man, an expert, someone we looked and, up to highly and highly respected. And close to retirement, I, we should say, such that he's probably said this to many, many parents and before. So, and that was another one of like, wow, like if we really check in with ourselves, does that feel right? Does, does that resonate with truth? Is that truly the outcome for our child? And can someone truly with so much authority um, predict such a thing, right? And, and create such a context for a seven-year-old child. And you know what's, what's, to me, what's interesting, or I should say what's scary, um, I just looked up a couple of things. So I, I, I put, is ADHD real? And it says... Nearly every mainstream medical, psychological, and educational organization in the United States long ago concluded that ADHD is a real brain-based medical disorder. So while we don't have time to go into all that, when you read this as a parent, and this is the first Google result, right, that comes up, and then there's a few more uh, clearly saying, yep, it's real, it's a real disorder, and it's real, um, you know, uh, then you kind of go, okay, well, so that's real. And then I just uh, Googled, will unmedicated children um, end up in jail, right? And the second, I didn't even put ADHD, the second article is ADHD in kids, you know, um, which... There's a couple articles that say, yeah, kids with ADHD are more reckless. They may end up drinking, doing drugs, car accidents, and end up in jail, right? So that's the prediction that you could say if we had Googled that, we would have found evidence that, oh, shit. Yeah, right. that's right. that is actually not a, a just a, a wife, old wives' tale, right? Right, right, right. And, and the point being here is that it's things like that, that hearing that from authority can be daunting in the sense that, you take the word for it and you stop doing research. But um, the point of that we're trying to make in this in this podcast of like the moment that you can confidently own that you are your son's or your daughter's uh, expert is what gives you the ability and the permission and the freedom to say, you know what, let me keep looking further, right? And you may go further and come to the conclusion that yes, that is that that was that in fact feels right. Yeah. That that is that prediction may in fact be what's happening. So the best course of action may in fact be medication. And that's totally okay. And that's great. Point being is that it just has to feel right within you. Yeah. It has to feel 
It has to resonate. It has to feel good. It has to feel like this is absolutely the right thing for me, my child and my family. Right. Yeah. And if one can say that and fully, fully own it, then Godspeed. Right. <laughs> it's um, do what, what, what must be done. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah. but it's this like but when we don't allow ourselves to say I am the expert on my child, um, it has a stop the moment a different authority speaks and whether it feels right or not we are bound and feel like we must do because that's what authority said. So that's the, the, the it's like a subtle distinction, but yeah. it's so, so important. You know, it, I think the most important thing is that parents are willing to trust that ultimately they're the parents. They, I don't want to say they know what's best for their children because we grow or like we were new parents. We trying to figure things out. But in those two instances, for the asthma and the ADHD, we trusted ourselves and we don't look back ever. We don't ever go like, oh man, we should have, yeah, it would have been better to medicate or we should have just, why did we stop? You know, we've moved forward and we're thriving. This is my claim. You know, our fam family is thriving. And so we've made the right decisions. How come? Not, not like... It's not like we did hundreds of Google searches at the time. We do now. We've done it since. But we trust that at that time when we heard the, the claim or the diagnosis that we just let it resonate and it didn't resonate. Yeah. In the heart. It didn't at all. And, you know? I, you know, and that's the key word, in the heart. And, and that's something that no degree can give you. And it's not about how many titles you have on this. It's beyond that. It's what resonates with the heart. Yep. And yes, you could say, well, that's not evidence-based <laughs> like knowledge, but that's like, that's beyond evidence-based knowledge. And that is part of being a parent. It's that connection that we have with our children that and, is, is heart-based. And I will say that I think we're coming, this is my prediction, we're coming into an age where we're going to need that intuition that gut check, because look at it today. It's what, November uh, 12, 2020, and everyone's confused. Everyone, there's still people that are convinced the mainstream media has the truth and no one else does. And it's starting to fall apart because when they say no one else does, you're now calling 2,000 and something other news networks. So it's highly unlikely that none of them have any source of truth, right? But it's all gonna collapse soon even the fact checkers need to be fact checked. Who is funding them, right? My point is, intuition is becoming very important. And I said this before, I think that resonance is as important. I used to say resonance is the new evidence, but I will re re revise that by saying resonance is as important as evidence. So Google stuff, but then you got to let it in, not just go, oh, because it's written by uh, Times Magazine or New York Times, it must be true. Read it, then read someone else's point of view. Read another one, read a fourth, and then sort of get a 3D image of it and go, you know what, this feels right. Yeah, and then... And that's, that's important. It, and that's where you can begin to do what we now call just connecting your own dots. Yeah. And no one can connect the dots like any individual person can for their own family, right? For us, 
there's some dots now that we've began to connect for our family, for ourselves, for what feels right for our family. And, and we've actually had, uh, results from it. Yep. And, uh, and that's part of what we're putting in our book, in our documentary that we're producing. Um, but the real message here is connect your own dots. Yeah. Because yeah. everybody will have a different circumstance, different, different experience, different children. Yep. Um, yep. But ultimately, you as the expert can, can do that for, for your family. Yeah. And I think, you know, when it comes to ADHD... It's very complex. I mean, you and I have been doing this for five years. Oh, gosh, yeah. It's so complex that any parent could at some point just be like, I don't have time. I yeah. don't have the energy. And we didn't either. When it was first sprung up on us, it was at the height of our busy lives. Yeah. It was at the height of my business growing and yours as well. And it was just, who has the time? Like, who has the time to research and look at all the pros and cons? And right and go deeper. And then like even the stuff that we're uncovering nowadays, it's like, it's taken us how many interviews with ex experts, other experts, I mean, right? Hundreds of hours. Yes. Interviews with other parents that we're beginning to see a bigger picture, right? That, yep. Yep. and that is why we're so passionate about this, this work and this movement and putting this information out because as many parents, we were like many other parents who had no time and your child is like acting out in right. school, at home, everywhere you go. And on top of that, we are as busy as, as like anybody else. And um, so that's what we're so passionate about, putting this information out. And, and for whatever it is that we've come across and connected our dots for our family that has worked, it, it may work for somebody else. Yeah, and I think for those parents listening, I just want you to understand that there's, there's hope. And by hope, it's not that we have the cure to the thing they call ADHD, right? It's not that we've singled out the one thing that will cure or make your child perfect, you know, the way you want it, right? But I think what we have come, you know, to the conclusion is that it takes all efforts. Everyone has to be in on it. The whole family it takes all the efforts including changing environments and the diets and the exercises and looking into what other, you know, for example, we're, uh, we're doing reflex integration now, something that Kai, that you've been doing with Kai daily for 15 minutes via Zoom. And we don't know what's making our son feel better or do better, but we've had now several people, grandma, a teacher, another friend of ours that said, you know, Kai is, is very calm and he was very nice and polite. And we never heard that before. <laughs> Right. We've never. And, and he's also been on a special diet on an Ayurvedic diet and not diet, but like, you know, uh, uh, eating regimen. Um, and he uh, the other day, we were just both blown away by his presence and his gratefulness. Right. Out of the blue, he in the morning, I think he said, like, wow, I'm so this 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 place is amazing. Our house is amazing. I love it here. And then one evening he was like acknowledging us, remember? He's like, right, right. We're like, whoa. Thank you, for making, <laughs> thank you for making me food. I know you cook my food every day. And we're like, whoa. And, you know, and so when I said there's hope, if you, I hate to say if you throw the kitchen sink at it, but if you uh, make an effort to improve every single possible 
uh, uh, area of life, meaning reduce every single possible friction between your child and the world, you will see an improvement that you won't need any medication for. That's our, that's our promise. That and, I can promise that. And I'll add to that, that in, in, including in that friction is us as parents. Absolutely. That's a huge part of it. That's a huge part. I mean, we are probably the 80%. Yeah. If not 90. And this is, that's a whole other pod- podcast episode, but, yes. um, but that's a, a big piece beyond changing the diet and the environment and the school and all these and supplements and all these other things that are already very common as a, approaches, right? Mm-hmm. Beyond mm-hmm. that is the perspective from when, from where you're applying that, which is the, the system of the family as a whole. Is there stress in the family? Is yep. there non-presence? Is there non things that are taking attention away from the child? Um, etc. But um, and also how present we are and available as parents. And Absolutely. Things that for I know speaking for myself, I took for granted that that was not needed. I was a very busy woman with my mm-hmm. business, um, um, focusing so much energy on a, on a thriving business for 12 years that I was leading that completely took me out of the house, completely took mm. my mind not present to my children and uh, continually bringing stress to the home, yet I was very successful. And I had a, I had a, um, and it looked great on, we were making money, we were making, we were making, we were having a great lifestyle, Mm -hmm. right? Things that you would say, that's what you work for, right? You work for so you can have something stable and something successful, and it's actually something to pat yourself on the back. Yet, little did I know, like, it just was contributing to um, my son internalizing stress in a whole other way. Yeah. So that's, again, a whole other podcast. But, but no, yeah. but I think you bring up a good point. I think we're caught up in this rat race and this grind, as Gary Vee uh, likes to refer to it. And I think that's the problem. It's, it's become this, you know, you got to grind hard. You got to be, if, if you're sleeping, your competitor is working and making money. And if you don't make 5 million this year, the next year that the other company is going to make 10 million, there's this constant up level, this, this pulling you up in this rat race that almost doesn't allow us to stop and and see that actually what's suffering is the the family, the intimacy, the children, you know, there's stress and there's lot, lots of, you know, lots of st- stressed and busy or successful parents nowadays are popping yeah. pills. They're taking downers, they're taking uppers, you know, people get stimulated from coffee to to uh, microdosing LSD, to taking medications just so they can function. And you know what's interesting? I remember when I was at the height of just being lost in my business and well, being a mom and barely being able to connect with my kids. And that's why I I, I wasn't the one going to the pediatrician. It was Roman, right? It was taking them to, I could bear, I would ever even, you know, drop them off at school. It was just such a, a strong disconnection. Um, but when I recollect back to those days, I was so far away from even feeling like I could declare myself the expert for my children. And, uh, and, and because I was so preoccupied with a whole other, yeah, I mean, whole we, other things. And, uh, we really weren't present, not just you, but we really both were kind of there and it's almost like somebody 
pointed it out today. It's like we're raising kids like cattle. Cattle? Cattle? Cattle. Cattle. Yeah. You know, like cows. We're herding them. We're dropping them off. We're bringing them back. We give them a grade, put them to bed. You know, it's this kind of almost uh, uh, raising a child has become like you're just going through the motions. And only after we both decided to switch our lifestyle and to, to move on from our companies and to spend more time with, with our children and to move away from the city and to start looking yeah. at all the aspects... Did we start seeing results? Yes. Not yes. before, which is actually, yes. you know, it's a huge, it's a very important point. And, and I, I forgot who I was talking to yesterday. I've done so many Zoom calls with experts. Someone said, like, it's not, I think it was Dr. Gabor Mate when we talked about oppositional defiant disorder, which he also says is, is complete nonsense, doesn't exist. I agree. Because... It's kind of like ADHD. When you take a child out of an environment where there's friction, suddenly they do better. So that tells us that it's not a brain disorder. If you have a brain disorder, you will act the same way under the, even at, in different environments, different circumstances. Because you have, a, it's kind of like when you take a diabetic out of a classroom and you put him at the park, they're still a diabetic. But it's not the case with ADHD. Studies have shown that when kids' environment changes, they are calmer if it's a nicer environment, less stress, right? If you change a school for a kid, which we did, to go from yeah. sit at desks, stare at a teacher up front, to go to open classrooms, open ages, no homework, right? Like really child-led, that child, our son, was more relaxed, more confident. And so that's why as parents, we really have to question these things and say, is it real? Is what I'm sold here real? Or is it just saying the media just says, or the doctors just say it's real? Um, you know, because you look at the Google result, is ADHD real? First thing that shows up, it's a real brain-based medical disorder. You and I know, first of all, it's not real. We can go into that. Uh, it's not a medical disorder. And it's not necessarily brain-based. It shows up there. But as we know, the friction between a child and the environment, it has to do with a nervous system. So it's not just brain-based, right? So again, we could go on and on and on, but I think this episode was our attempt to inspire parents to say, yes, you are an expert in your child. You are allowed to question a doctor, a pediatrician, a psychologist. You're actually even allowed to say, I'll think about it, you know, and go do some research. And don't just talk to the people that basically validate the doctor's opinion and say, yeah, yeah, well, he's right. No, it's real. You know, also research people or talk to people who are perhaps of the complete other opinion, even if at first that seems ridiculous, just so you know, so you can hear it and then decide. And you're also allowed to listen to yourself and listen to your gut. You're also allowed that, that it's just, if it doesn't feel right, like it's okay to honor that. Yeah. And I just want to finish this episode with and check in with you if there's anything else you'd like to say. But uh, during a, my little research, because I can multitask, <laughs> I came across an article that our dear friend uh, Marilyn Wedge commented on. So I went to the original article and it was by a doctor named Robert Berezin, B-E-R-E-Z-I-N. And he wrote an article on psychology today in 15, that's five years ago, and he said, no, there is no such thing as ADHD. 
And he says, different temperaments make some kids more active. And then he goes on to say, somewhere along the line, we have lost the understanding that kids come in all shapes and sizes. Some kids are active, some are quiet, some kids are dreamers, others are daring, some kids are dramatic, others are observers, some impulsive, others reversed, some leaders, other followers, some athletic, others thinkers. Where did we ever get the notion that kids should all be one way? Hmm. And if you let that sink in, it's kind of like you have a child and then suddenly one day someone says, oh, your child's not like the normal kids. And you feel bad because you want them to fit in, not stand out, not be the disruptor, quote unquote. Yet our world is changed by people who make a big impact and they're usually disruptors because we can't change old systems if we don't disrupt them. And so are we potentially suppressing these amazing minds by A, labeling, labeling them as ADHD and by B, often medicating them, right? And then, this is refers to our episode, parents these days are subject to pediatric, and he puts the parenthesis, sorry, the quotes, yeah. parents these days are subject to pediatric experts, quote unquote, who proclaim that kids should follow some prescribed rates of physical, mental, and emotional growth. If they deviate from the mean, then there's a problem. Parents are intimidated and worried that there's something wrong with their babies. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of where we started this, this episode that I think whenever something seems so daunting, I feel like as parents, we need to trust that everything will be fine. We're human beings with a, an immune system, with the ability to persevere, the ability to overcome, the ability to reinvent, the ability to self-heal, the ability to discover. And then on top of that, if you're down for a little metaphysical ride, we're not even real. We're made up of atoms, right? We're in this universe. We're floating around on a ball through the universe. Nobody knows why. And here we are trying to box kids into this little made-up label. So no, it's not real. <laughs> There's no such thing as ADHD. There's friction between a child and the world, yes, or an adult. So parents, trust yourselves. Really do. You know, we hope that only, if only one parent hears this and starts questioning things, I think we've done our job. It means that maybe one child will get a better shot at being himself or herself. Mm. Yeah. Unfolding the uniqueness they are versus becoming the thing that parents wanted them to become because they think it's the right way and it's normal and it's what's going to lead to happiness, mostly money, but success and then they can die. That's kind of the cycle. <laughs> so parents, don't worry. They're going to turn out. Just let them unfold. Let them be themselves. They're here for a reason. They're actually smarter and more in tune with life than we are. So get yeah. out of the way. <laughs> right? Okay, well, finishing up with this part of the article, there are experts at every turn, such as those who proclaim knowledge that a pudgy baby will create fat cells that will create weight problems for life, which is nonsense. Parents, leave these poor kids alone and enjoy them. Raise them well, you know, with boundaries and love. <laughs> you wanted to say one last thing. And what just came up was this, uh, everything that we've talked about and the courage that it takes to step up into declaring yourself an expert on your own child, I think for me is captured by saying, allowing ourselves as parents to just one, open our minds mm -hmm. 
open our eyes to more and through that ultimately open our hearts even more yeah to our children and two things fear will close the heart yeah and fear will also distract our prefrontal cortex from problem solving and you know as parents when we are told our child has a disorder two things we need is love and we need to solve this problem and you can because if we start really evaluating all the frictions in the home in the family in the environment a child truly i believe can outgrow it heal it and it's gone that's where we stand Thank you for listening. This was a wonderful episode with Tatiana, my wife. Thank uh, you. We're going to be doing more of those. You're, mm -hmm. I know you're not always available as you're with the kids often or homeschooling and creating and designing, but uh, you know we do as many episodes as we can together. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time. Until next time. And please visit our website, ADHDisover.com. You can uh, enter your email address there. We'll get you on a newsletter. We're going to keep you posted because we're working on a book called ADHD is Over, a documentary of the same title. This is obviously the podcast. And then there's our website. And eventually that'll become a resource website for parents by parents. Excited. So check us out. And on Facebook, we're at, at ADHD is Over. And we're currently working on some other platforms, but everyone's kind of switching off certain platforms onto others. So we're still deciding. But for now, it's Facebook at ADHD's Over. Until next time.